One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Because at least with freemium, you're getting something. You know, oh, 10 extra coins in this game. Or mm-hmm. Hey, excuse me, Greg. Sorry, i got to stop you right there. Um, if you're playing the role of Jaime t- on tonight's podcast, you need to be calling it Smurf Berries. <laughs> so um, just start over again. Thanks. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 66 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I am joined once again by my co-host in Whitby, Ontario, Aaron Vay. Hi there. And we're also joined by our guest co-host, Greg Hio in Toronto, Ontario. How's it going, eh? <laughs> nice. And once again, and we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hi. <laughs> That's so boring. Hi. Well, usually he says, hey, everyone. I try to mix it up every week. It's hey, everyone. different. Yeah. I forgot no, to say I, folks. I'm sorry. Tim told me I have to say, no, no, you have how's to it going? And I have to use the word folks a lot. In your, in your dialogue. Yeah. Okay. That's and, some and, high you have, already. and you have to throw out a plea to the people driving their cars who can't look at the show notes <laughs> at some point during the show. Okay. Um, Jaime, he's such a gentleman. He is. He really is. He is. He's so conscious of the people driving down the road. Yep. So you know, I, I was well, driving when I listened to him say that, by the way. That was hilarious. When he actually said that in last week's show. Yeah. Um, I was in the car listening to the podcast. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. Go ahead. That's like real-time follow-up almost. Almost. All right. Uh, Coinky Dink, I guess they call that. I didn't put my name next to anything, but... Yeah, yeah, I figured it was. It was a Mac rumors. They had a screenshot of the email that Apple sent to one of the developers saying, hey, sorry about blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that was it. That was nice. Did you get Uh, one of those, Aaron? I did, actually. Rarely. Um, And so I'm quite pleased that I am still on their mailing list. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I want Apple to communicate to the users, not to the developers about this because, you know, the users are the ones who are getting stung by this and, and blaming well, the developers. Exactly. So, and I think that was one of the points in one of the articles that I saw, maybe that Greg put up that it, it, why not apologize? Like they should apologize to the developers for this or, or something because it, it makes us look like we're idiots because we're the ones making bad apps and, and I don't know if if clients can really put two and two together and realize that you know, when all of their apps start doing that, then maybe uh, it's a one common problem, right? 
Like, what do they know about certificates, really, the, the, the average consumer, right? I would almost think, does the average person have that many Mac App Store apps that they would even know this a pattern? They would just launch... Like, I only launch... One, I have ByWord, which I launched and got the error. Yeah. And I think that was the only one. I think I tried you know, my Shush. Biggest, my, my biggest one was, was 1Password on two machines. And then, so then I'm thinking, okay, great. I've invested 18 months in, in, in 1Password now, and I can't even log into the 1Password to get my passwords, right? So, <laughs> you know, thank God I had iOS and all that kind of stuff to fall back on. But, um, yeah, there was 1Password was one. Um, I had a couple of, or last week. Uh, oh, ScreenFlow came up with an error for me. Yep. Um, you know, because and that you know, slowed our recording down. You know, I think I probably had about three or four of them because we talked about it last week. That um, uh, it had just Aaron, started last week when we talked about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. A, about a day or so in, and and I think right. that I put the, the post I put up here was was a tweet that came out that day that we finished recording. Somebody had put up a screenshot. Of, they'd looked at the certificate um, on um, and posted their their console uh, output. Um, I forget which link it is. The first one, I think, the one that says "fu damage certificate on us." Uh-huh. If you look at that, this guy posted. Uh, he looked at the, the the dates in the certificate, and um, you know, it basically had fallen. Fall. It failed like the day before or something like that, right? But I mean, it, it. Like I said, it doesn't make us look like we know what we're doing. If if uh, you know, you go. Somebody goes to launch Magpie, for instance, and it says Magpie is damaged, and you know, you shouldn't trust it. Right it to the trash, right? It's yeah. funny, Actually, I had you know, one app did that, but the other app, I think I used Shush as well. And I launched that one, and it just um, said, oh, you purchased on another Mac or another account, I forget. It just made me yeah. log in to the App Store. Yeah. Oh, and really? then it okay. said, okay, we've added it to your account. I'm like, it's all right. Anyway, that was yeah. a little strange, but I've, I had kind of mixed reviews. I only had one app do the thing it was uh, saying it was damaged and I should move it to the trash, but the other ones seemed to just ask me to log in. No, I've had I've had four. Yeah, I've, that's true. I did. You're right. I did get asked to log in at one point too, which I thought was a bit odd. But I mean, having just bought a new piece of gear like the the iPad Pro, I thought maybe that was part of related to the you know you're using a new device and a new account and verify your Visa number and all that kind of stuff came up. Right? Oh no, so. this is all to do with the Mac App Store, not the uh, iOS one, right? I saw those. I saw those um, log in very uh, rarely. I think once or twice, mm. but I've had a bunch of damaged apps. That yeah. I had to, I delete them, download them again from the app store, and I'm back on. Yeah. Like Airmail, yeah. Tweetbot, Dash, and on both of my computers. So like, well, hey, that's a good point. I haven't opened Dash six to eight that. times on each one of them. Yeah. Um, so it was quite the nuisance. Um, so well, and I noticed quite a few people have like uh, Kyle Richter tweeted about it, and um, a couple Lots other of people. people have have yeah. About it. yeah, you know, now that you said that, I'm going to find Dash here on my computer because I haven't launched it since we. Yeah talked about that here it is here Let's see what happens it's a little no, inconsistent no, too because fine. sometimes yeah, it, it like it, it had launched like in the past week since this has all been happening um yeah. i've you know launched and quit those apps several times and yeah. it was only at one time randomly that the damaged message came up so yeah uh there's definitely more going on and it's it's there's crap going on in apple servers anything to do with the mac app store um is a little little humped uh, well, iTunes, yeah. iTunes Connect has been an issue too. I mean, there's oh another. God. So, so there's like all kinds of. So I don't know if I I, I mentioned last week that I couldn't um, update a price. I couldn't make. I wanted to make my Geese Squad free, right, for a couple of months, right. And uh, I went in, put the date in, and it said you can't do that. You can't pick a date that's in the past. I'm like, well, I'm not picking a date that's in the past, right. And so I sent an email. I sent a comment to iTunes Connect people saying, hey, fix this. Like, Because I tried, you know, of course I thought maybe it's Safari, I'll go over to, to Chrome or Firefox. It didn't work there either. And then, because um, that seems to fix a lot of problems with the iTunes Connect store. Um, pro tip. 
But um, and then I got an email back from them, and I didn't really read the whole email because typical of the way I work. But um, it's basically said some users have reported changing their time to Pacific time zone fixes the problem. <laughs> So I'm like, okay. So I went in and, and changed my time to Pacific time zone. And sure enough, I was able to update the price. So, like, this is 2015, right? We have Son figured out time zones. Bitch. Yeah, it makes, makes complete sense to me. You guys are just, just need to save your computer at the right time. Come on. West Coast is the best coast, right? <laughs> is there any other coast? <laughs> I, I say having grown up in these coasts, actually. So I, mm-hmm. I, it's madness. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. You know, and my problem, if I might complain about my own issues for a moment, sure. me, 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 is uh, test flight. I can't get any builds to appear in test flight right now. Wow. I started a new project for a client on Monday, and I wanted to send him builds on sure. test flight. I, I upload them. I approve them for testing. It says invite or notification sent out to the testers, mm-hmm. both internal and external. And... Uh, we open up test flight and there is nothing there. Interesting. Like that. I've had a lot of test flight issues too, but not like that. It's it's mainly they they get stuck in processing for yeah. hours and hours and hours. Yeah, and I've hours. had that too, Mark. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know what's going yeah. on. And and with the the builds not showing up, you know, it's like I'm the only one that. who's experiencing this. I, hmm. I search online for other people or other hints of anything to look for, and there's hmm. nothing well. except for people saying uh, turn off testing and turn it on again. Referring, of course, to the old iTunes Connect interface, mm-hmm. which had yeah. an, a, a testing on-off switch. Um, so what do we have now? We just the new one has testing, a, right? a slightly different thing where you can remove a build or or in a test put no build. Whatever. Set, yeah. set yeah. the yeah. testing to no build, <laughs> to put it that way. So I tried that, and of course, nothing. Mm. Um, it doesn't effing work. But you can see the build in iTunes Connect. In iTunes can't. Connect, I can see it there. Uh, it yeah. says it's. Everything on iTunes Connect suggests that we're fine, that we're honky-dory. Right. But uh, you look into the Test Flight app on your device, and there's nothing happening. Have you tried setting your time zone to Pacific time zone? You know what? No, I have not. Believe it or not. <laughs> it like, seems I just got to, to wonder if I'm looking at the right thing in here in Test Flight on, yeah. the, on the iTunes Connect. Um, but, it, wow. you know, it looks like it's fine. It says I'm notified as a user. Uh, the build is there. It's selected. It, it expires in 60 days. Just uploaded a new one this morning. Um, hmm. Yeah, and the other option is not available for testing. If you set it for not available for testing and then hit save, then testing is effectively turned off. And can you re-submit then, it? Yeah, for- then I uh, reselect the build and then hit save, and it says, are you sure you want to start testing? You're yeah. damn right I do. So the question is, this is since they did the, the new update where you can have, what is it, 2,000 users and, and six month, or 60 days now, the new thing we talked about last week? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, yeah and they did a little um, interface update as well, right? So things have moved around again <laughs> just when you got used to the old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have had some issues ever since, actually, they did the big update at iOS 9 release. Uh, with some users just never getting their test light notifications. Really? Yeah, and I can't really uh, track down anything because it's just some people just never get it. And maybe in, the, in your case, you just got unluckily, unlucky and your guy is one of those people that just aren't getting it. Yeah, well, it's me too, actually. Like, oh, it's I'm, you set too. Up as an in, yeah. I'm set up as an internal tester. Mm. I'm not getting it, mm. and my client on an external tester... He's not getting it either. So well, I, I've also seen the internal tester notifications be very spotty. Sometimes yeah. they work for like a week; they'll work every time. Then for another week, they won't work at all. And then for another week, they'll start working again. Hmm. I don't know. Tell yeah, just one obvious thing that I'm sure you've you've already checked. Uh, and this isn't so much about you, but more about your client. 
make sure that they actually did respond to the invitation email or the yeah or actually the he never did get the email oh he never so, even got the first invitation email oh that's right now in the external testers list here it's got his name and it says notified uh on november 17th really hmm. um but he never received an email and it's not showing up in test flight does he just as a devil's advocate? Does he have another account you can send it to? Because he doesn't matter what email he receives it at; it's what email he uses for Apple ID when he goes to hit test. So have you have you tried sending it to another account? No, I haven't. Yeah, give that uh, a shot. So like I can, I'm looking at this here. Um, whoops. Uh, I can. I got his Apple ID here, right? Yeah. And yeah. then, um, but if I, I'd have to delete him to change it, or add a different one. Yeah, I mean, Adam is a second user. Add whatever. a second user with a different email address. Yeah, but, then he might become an external tester or something. Yeah, I'm uh, highly dubious about that because you know, again, internal testing to me isn't working. Yeah, uh, well, that's so. true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's more going on here. Well, actually, um, Greg, weren't we talking to somebody on on the team the other day that was having an issue with um, having joined a new team? Couldn't couldn't do something in test flight. There are so many test flight complaints. I don't remember that one. Oh no! Oh, you know what it was? It was yeah. I think it was when they logged into. Um, Logged in, they got the question about oh, what it was. Is they they got a uh, it was Rich actually Rich Charlton. He said that he got um, he got given the choice of logging into multiple uh, accounts like multiple companies, but he didn't see his own company there, like which which was new because he had obviously has apps on the App Store. Uh, that sounds familiar, yeah. Because I think yeah. they changed the way if you have multiple dev accounts on your Apple ID, they changed the way you switch between them. I think that was yeah. it. And Rich was yeah. saying, "Where is that little thing?" Because I, you know, the list is wrong or something like that. So yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh. Yeah, interesting. Well, i I've got i've I've got multiple accounts as well, or multiple companies in my Apple yeah. ID too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not been bitten by that one, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, that, uh, I think that's one of the worst ideas that Apple's done because I've got a couple of companies that don't exist anymore on my list. Oh, like and you can't excise these things either. Like no, because yeah. because I'm not the team manager or whatever administrator <laughs> right. or whatever, right? Yeah. And I've I've, I've you know, filed I've asked them to get rid of that, and they they say there's nothing we can do about it. You got to contact the guy who owns the account. That's right. They've long gone. They're no longer Apple developers, and they've you know they've and their account's gone, and you're out of luck. Bat in their ball, and they've gone home. Yep, I've got that too. I think that's a, just an occupational hazard for anyone who does contract work. <laughs> yeah. In iOS. Well, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I usually I usually log in. I usually have an account that that's where I that I use as the team administrator yeah. that I use. Either that, or I log in as the other person with their Apple ID. You know, mm. quote unquote. So let the lawsuits begin. I wish Apple would be a little bit more forthcoming about some of the issues that they're having. You know, I don't. <laughs> I, I know, eh? <laughs> it's like it's like shouting at the wind. But have you seen the new watch commercials? Never mind. Sorry. Uh, no, the Apple TV commercials though; those are nice. <sighs> anyway, consider me frustrated. Yeah. I don't. My I don't point, even know my what point to do. was, Apple's yeah. obviously paying attention to other areas. Than, yeah. Than well, you know, here's the thing though. Like we, this is something I, w- I wouldn't mind saying um, because I I feel like uh, I don't think people consider this often enough. But mm-hmm. no matter what happens regarding Apple, we, we blame, quote, Apple, unquote, right? Yeah. But, you know, Apple is a huge organization. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's so the empire. It's, it's, it's maybe an empire. Maybe it's a, a, a fiefdom with, with various It's fights. no longer the rebels. It's now the empire. You've got to get ready for episode seven. Mm, okay. You're going way <laughs> off topic. Don't get me excited about Star Wars right now, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get in a groove, Tim. So... Apple is, is a, an agglomeration of different clusters of units, functional units. And uh, we look at, 
you know, the whole iTunes Connect unit, and that's different from the Apple TV unit, right? Yes. Which yep. is which is different from the marketing unit, right? So, yep. you know, when we look at Apple and we say, you know, Apple was, you know, they sucked at doing this, you know, what we mean is that there's a group of people in there that are not delivering according to our expectations. Right? Sure. Whereas sure. there is another group in Apple which are exceeding our expectations, as usual, yeah. right? Yep. So um, I think it just, you know, bears remembering that... Um, that Apple is a lot of different things at the same time, and just to say Apple X uh, isn't isn't uh, sophisticated enough for the reality of things. Well, that's true, but and it, I think that's part of a, a human foible that you know we all we all thought Steve Jobs was making every decision at Apple for the longest time, and and well, clearly he didn't. wasn't. He couldn't have been. He <laughs> no. couldn't have been right. He, he, only the only the the absolute and same same thing with Tim Cook or any of the any of the senior manager or senior VPs. They can't possibly be in, have their finger on all the pulses, right? So Indeed. Some, yeah, this is this is some you know low level you know. Um, issue that that's happening that that's sort of slipping through the cracks and, and because it's a low priority thing in the grand scheme of things maybe it's not getting the attention it, it needs or maybe it is and we just don't know about it because apple doesn't sort of talk about that stuff in public right yeah especially where it concerns developers right so yeah. like take this certificate and hashing algorithm issue you know yep. um mm-hmm. it certainly falls mostly on developers they're the ones who are hidden the uh, receiving the blowback from it um yeah. Whereas, you know, Apple knows that they are largely responsible for this issue, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but they are communicating with developers. They are not communicating with users. Or shareholders, for that matter. You know, because, wow. I mean, you know what would happen is all of a sudden Apple's doomed again, right? So Sure, yeah. I don't, I don't think they can avoid those, those accusations. But, mm-hmm. you know, Apple, you know, the, the developer-facing company uh, is, is dealing with, with us, but not telling the customers, hey, look, this is a known issue, and mm-hmm. here's how you can fix it. Instead, they're saying to developers, uh, you know, repost your binaries using the, the SHA-2 algorithm, right, or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. and, uh, and things will blow over, and we're working on this too. But no communication to customers is crazy, to my yeah. mind. Crazy. I guess it yeah, would just be true. too complex, you know, to raise it, to say, look, you know, you know, they start talking about security and, and certificates, and people just kind of trail off. You know, yeah. But um, or, or they blow it out of proportion to the yeah. side of it, right? So, but you know, like at least a tech note, you know, on the support site to say, you know, if you've run into this issue and you're searching for an answer, because yeah. you can just like type into Google, you know, Mac app um, is damaged, whatever, whatever the dialogue mm-hmm. says, mm-hmm. and then Apple could have a page there saying, look, this is, we know this is happening. Delete your app, get it again from the app store, and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and that would be all they'd have to do. But they aren't even doing that. So that's that's just frustrating to me. So it's just uh, Apple being Apple, as usual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Apple being a mega Apple is what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Greg, you were just about to uh, bring up the, the um, topic, which, you know, Aaron and yourself and I are extremely pleased to hear that Apple Pay is now in Canada. So would you like to take that? Asterisk! Part? Asterisk for American Express cards only. Ironically enough, American Express in Canada. However, I do have one of those points card American Express cards, and I use it as much as I can to collect the points when oh, people okay. when people do accept Amex, which is not everywhere, but it's right. pretty good. I think better than it is in the United States, from what I hear, because people say like nobody takes Amex there. Anyway, oh really? So. That's what I've heard. Whereas in Canada, it's like most places take it. Maybe like Loblaws, one of the big grocery chains here, doesn't take it. Mm. And, um, you know, the odd smaller restaurant or something. Might not, I don't know. But I, yeah, I've a lot of retail it. places don't down here. It's true. 
Okay. Okay. Why that is, but that's true. So I woke up that day when I think it was just yesterday, right? Open the phone, and then you open the Apple Wallet app, and right at the top it says, "Hey, add Apple Pay." But it doesn't say like if you have an American Express card at Apple Pay. There might have been like a big Amex. No, there wasn't. Yeah, it just said add a card. But we we knew this because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But but, and I'd forgotten because I immediately pulled up my RBC Visa card and went, you know, went through the whole process, and it went, "So your bank sucks." At the end of it, you know. So I hit the plus button, and my Amex is also the primary card on my iTunes or my Apple ID, iTunes ah. store account. And so it found it right away, and it said, hey, here it is. Here are the last four digits. Is this it? Just type in your four-digit CVV. So I type it in, and it says, okay, great. And that was it. And it knew what exactly what kind of Amex. You know, it shows a little picture of your card, and it shows it to you. And it said, all right, you can go ahead and use it. So I was like, all right, got to go use it somewhere. So I was out for lunch today. At the across the street at the food court, and I use Amex there all the time. So mm-hmm. they have the little, you know, the little. It's the little pin pad. Like it has a swipe. It has the chip insert, but it's got this giant block above the pin pad in the screen with that icon. You know, like the little the rectangle with the radio code. waves coming out of it, yeah. where you're supposed to tap your NFC. Mm-hmm. So I went to pay, and I said, "Oh, can I use Apple Pay?" And I kind of had my phone, and the lady's like, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead." So, you know, I'm all excited. I have it there, have my <laughs> thumb on for Touch ID, hold it up. The little terminal makes a beeping noise, like it found it. Yeah. And then I'm just kind of holding it there. I'm blocking the screen because I'm holding up my phone. And then I kind of move the phone away. And it still says, you know, would you like to pay $15 or whatever, $15? And I was like, okay, that's weird. So I do it again, makes a beeping noise. And then I look at it and it says like, card not accepted. Please swipe your card <sighs> or something like that. I was like, oh my God. Oh, what a letdown. Well, that's, oh, that's, that's what Mark bad. and Jaime experienced when they first had Apple Pay in the States, didn't you, Mark? Yeah, the first couple of times it, it just didn't work in the first couple of days, but since then it's been great. So then I, I, was, I recommend oh, it, you guys. I tried it again just a few hours ago. I was at the grocery store, not at the Loblos, but at the Metro, the other big grocery chain here. And yeah. I, again, I always use the Amex here, and I use the self-checkout lane so I don't have to talk to other humans. Mm-hmm. So I oh, scan sweet. all my groceries in the bag, hit the pay button, and it says, you know, go ahead, use credit. And same thing, I hold it up. It makes the beeping noise, and it's like processing, processing, and then it's like, uh, you know, card read error, please insert chip uh, or what? swipe. So I was like, what oh, is even the point of this? And this was even worse, because I insert the chip, and then it's like, chip cannot be read. Please use MagStripe. I'm like, oh my god, what? we're going back like, you know, two generations, three generations of technology wow. here. So I had to swipe the card instead. Did that like, work? Yeah, the swipe worked, <laughs> thankfully. Holy cow, uh, man. So yeah, not a great success. In Amex's defense, though, I found that like when I use Visa or MasterCard and I use the NFC, like I just tap my card, that... It's like guaranteed always works. But Amex, when I do the tap, where people do take Amex, the tap tends to not work. And a lot of times Mm. I tap the Amex and it beeps, but then it says, oh, please use the chip for this kind of card or something like that. So I have noticed that with Amex in particular. So it seems like getting Amex on Apple Pay, which is NFC-based, seems like, you know, getting the worst of the worst and making it even worse because the phone is also NFC. So I don't know. I I was optimistic, but so far I'm 0 for 2 for today. The plus side is, though, now that it's set up in wallet, and I'm sure, again, the Americans yeah. and everyone else already has this, is, so I said, oh, well, it doesn't work. I swipe the card instead, and then yeah. it says waiting. And it's like, all right, thank you. Take your receipt and leave. So I take my receipt out, and I get a notification on my phone from Amex saying, oh, you just spent bought groceries for, you know, $23. Oh, so the notification nice. comes right away, like within oh, that's seconds. Cool. Yeah. And when well, I go it- into the wallet app and I hit the little I info, it shows me, like, my last 
five transactions or 10 yeah. looks like a lot more 10 transactions or so and that huh. again that came in right away so that's kind of nice that yeah i can't nice. remember if it was cbc or, or imore but they listed a whole bunch of um online things that you can use apple pay for as well like like starbucks mark uses that starbucks for instance right yep. like so you can order your coffee before you walk in you should try that with this the, the starbucks across the street from you right um, Which one? I have like three across the street. But well, yeah, don't I you? Yeah, well, I'm thinking of the Eaton Center <laughs> I know one. what you mean. I do have a yeah. Starbucks card, though. So if I, I think if I use the app, it comes off of my Starbucks card. Won't yeah, but I, know, well, I think Apple what Mark Pay? does, Mark, but Mark can refuel his card from yeah, Apple Pay. Uh, that's exactly right. So I have whatever amount I have on the card. When it gets low, there's, there's an option to just use Apple Pay to reload the card. Oh, mm. I should try that. Oh damn! New phone. I got to sign in. Okay, I don't know my password. Oh, so that's right. <laughs> I'll try that later. <laughs> the only, the only downside is can't do that from the wallet app you have to actually go into the starbucks app to do it yeah yeah uh okay i'll give it a try so that raises another thing for those of you who don't know who don't follow greg on on the twitter machine or whatever don't know that he just smashed his phone last week um and to, so you just finished doing the, the iCloud restore? How long no, did it was it just take? yesterday. I actually smashed the phone Monday night. And yeah. then yesterday, I got a genius appointment. And uh, yeah, I got it replaced. Right. And, but, you, but you, just, you were saying online that you went to the cloud restore thing. And, and is, has it, how long did it take to, to do cloud restore from iTunes? It was pretty quick. It did the spinning thing, and then you know yeah. I had to reinstall all the apps. I think it got stuck. It seemed to do. It was installing the apps in order, like from top to bottom, yeah. left to right. And yeah. in one of the folders, it seemed to get stuck because it was mm. like on that folder for a really long time. So I had to go into the folder and tap on the apps. I think it says waiting instead of the app name. Like the icon is grayed out and right. it says waiting. Yeah. And yeah. I tapped on it, and then it would start installing. So I went through every folder past that point, tapped on every single app icon to get them to like manually install yeah but i yeah. think it's that might have confused it because when i'm on the lock screen it still says at the bottom of the lock screen restoring from iCloud backup this is like over 24 hours now wow so i'm not quite sure what to do because it's not backing up my phone anymore now right when i go mm. to the iCloud backup it says backup will start again once your phone finishes restoring. oh really okay mm. well yeah so i'm like but then there is a button that says stop restoring and i'm like i'm pretty sure everything has Restored? I don't know, but there are a few, a handful of apps where I go into the app and ask me to log in. Like it doesn't know who I am, like Starbucks, for example. And I'm like, mm -hmm. is that just because Starbucks isn't a well designed app and that kind of stuff isn't stored in the keychain? Yeah, or is that because stuff, the restore yeah. didn't finish? I have no idea. So a handful of apps have not remembered who I was. So well, I'm not sure what to do. Yeah, I, I just did the same thing with my obviously with my iPad Pro because I, I restored from my iPad Air two backup and I went through the same process. It, of course, I do it on my computer here, so I didn't have to wait hours for it to download. But like the data comes back right away. It's the it's the apps that don't necessarily get installed, and it takes a long time. Like it's like you know that that horrible idea that they have the update all button that takes for t several hours to restore. But you'll see like a lot of apps will just have like that black circle as they're waiting to download. Um, and you're right; it does sort of, sort of they sort of trickle down for some strange reason. Doesn't matter how fast your internet is or whatever, but um, but once and, and even if an app doesn't come back uh, right away, and you and you go to the app store and download it again, like you know Slack or whatever um, apps that I know I had history, like actual data stored in, they did the data was actually restored by the restore, but the app wasn't necessarily. So when the app comes back, I guess the document folder sitting there waiting already populated with your data. So, but I have noticed with apps that require that where it saves the password, like uh, Facebook is one, for instance, um, Twitter, those kind of things, you usually have to log in or you have to go into your settings account and, and log it in. 
right? Yeah, so, uh, I was that, pleasantly surprised at the number of apps that support one password. They get the oh, one password man, icon yeah, in the no thing. Doubt. I was kind of surprised. A good, yeah. a good number of them. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's, uh, yeah, whenever I see that, I'm, I'm delighted to see that little button there. So, for sure, unless of course my you know Mac App Store certificate is corrupt and I can't use one password. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it got to the point where, like, I actually tweeted out to the One Password team. I can't believe that people aren't using One Password like more. I mean, I mean, I sh- should talk. I mean, my apps don't use it either. But still, it, it's such a convenient thing to have in there. If you have, if you're going to keep, if you're going to assist users, that's a great way to do it, right? So I'm trying to think of which app it was. I mean, all the nerdy apps use One Password, maybe obviously, but there was one non-nerdy app that was like, oh my god, One Password. I was kind of surprised. Wow, can't remember mm. which one it was now, but you know, it was like some company. Maybe it was like maybe it was even the Amex because I downloaded the Amex app because of it. Maybe it was like that app. I can't remember, but one app I was kind of surprised. So mm. maybe it's re- reaching the mainstream now, which is nice to see. Which is good, yeah. 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 Well, they cool. gotta be right. I mean, they're they're a big company, Agile Bits, <laughs> uh, and they've been selling One Password for years and years and years. You know, yeah. so uh, there have to be a lot of users out there. There just have to be. <laughs> yeah, probably they wouldn't be able to pay all their people. As users, mm-hmm. I guess we should be demand. Uh, you know, like if an app doesn't have it, since I'm logging into all these apps again, I should probably you know tweet them, tweet the company, or email the company, send in a request, and say, hey, you know, there's yeah. this cool password manager. You guys yeah. should really think about implementing. So maybe I should have been keeping track of which apps don't do it, and then uh, shame them into doing it on the Twitters, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially bank apps. Oh. They're the worst. Are you guys listening, bank app people? No, they're not listening. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Actually, I, like I can't like. Okay, so it, it, since we're on the bank things, like one of the things I love about the banking apps is the fact that they they've now added in the ability to take pictures of your checks and not have to go to the bank to actually deposit them. I because I'm a freelance person for ten years now, people have been paying me by physical checks, right? Which is a pain in the butt. I have to collect you know four or five of them and then you know go up to the bank and stick them in. Um, but for some like for some reason, since their last update, my particular bank, which begins with a T, ends with a D. Um, they're, they've screwed up something because for, for weeks now, for, like in fact, even if you go to the App Store reviews page, you cannot, they're, the whole process of, of taking, um, submitting uh, photographs of your checks is, has been down for weeks, months, you know, like since October. Crazy. Well, that's nice to complain about, but um, my bank doesn't offer that capability. They even- don't? Flawed, yeah. Scotiabank? I don't think they do. Uh, Scotiabank has. Uh, I thought they did. Royal Bank does. Royal Bank does. Yeah, does. RBC and we have it for sure. Yeah. 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 I actually, just I was cleaning up the office and I found a check. It was like my <laughs> GST refund or something like that. And wow. I was like, oh my god, I haven't cashed this in. And I'm like, oh wait a minute, I think I used. So I was almost going to go to the bank and deposit it, but then I was like, no, I think I did that picture thing so i don't know after you take a picture i should i should like scribble on the back and make well, see, a note that's of it my, my right? bank tells me to write deposited on on the front yeah. so. oh actually no i wrote on the i wrote mobile on the back so i did oh. cash this in already so and i, I do I, actually from my bank i also get back, I, I get uh, deposit slips for like like the apple pay thing i get i do get a deposit slip from the bank saying that i did a mobile deposit or whatever huh like in the yeah, mail? In your well, no. On if you, when you log into your when you log into your uh, your bank account, you, oh, you go to your okay. statements page. There's okay. like there's like a couple of unread statements that went in there, and they were like old deposits they did a while ago when it was working. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, enough about banking. I don't know. Yeah, okay. civilization. It, it, well, we've had this stuff for years. <laughs> yeah, we have. We've had chip and pin for years too, Mark. So you guys got chips on your Visa cards yet? No. Yeah, we do actually. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've, I have seen people with chips in the U.S., but no, it seems like nobody uses it. Everywhere I go, it's like swipe. 
Okay, well, I mean, just to, to, to close out on the, on the chip stories, I was in Paris in 2004, and people were using chip and pin back then, so everybody's behind. iPad Pro follow-up. What would you like to know? Do I love it? Oh, Is well, it Greg, since Greg had iPad Pro follow-up. Did he not? Yes, he did, I yeah. believe. And then we'll ask you, Tim, how you're, how you're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I wanted to ask Tim how it, uh, how it was as well. There mm-hmm. was a little note here about um, the chip provider, so a little bit of a technical thing. But oh yeah, I saw a chart, like a table, saying like who's going to be the supplier, and like the A9, it said I forget seventy five percent of it was going to Samsung or something, twenty five was going to our friends TSMC, right? And the A8X was like a hundred percent Samsung, but then the A9X is a hundred percent TSMC, and they were kind yeah. of forecasting what the A10 would be, and that was again a hundred percent Samsung. So it seems. I guess there's some reason behind it, but they're like alternating the generations between the two companies, and they're not doing a hey like the LCD panels like 50% is going to LG, 50% going to Samsung. Right. But for yeah. the chips, they seem to be dividing it like you do one generation, you do one generation, and hmm. flipping them back and forth. And I thought it was the whole you know Apple hates Samsung, and they were trying to <laughs> shift over to TSMC and others if possible. So I thought right. TSMC was just going to get everything, but it seems like that is not the case, and they're alternating, going 100% on each end. That well, was there was the, some discussion about the the performance of the two versions of the chips on the iPhone 6s. I think is where we're using the nine, A9, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was because I, I, there was some back and forth about you know people trying to figure out which which version they got, whether they got the Samsung or the TMS TM TSMC version, right? So yeah, and it was funny because the Samsung was I think on sixteen nanometers and the TSMC yeah. was on twenty for the that's the A nine, but on the A nine X it says it's a sixteen nanometer FinFET, which I want to say on the podcast, but mm. the TSMC seems to be doing a sixteen nanometer. Um, and a, a Trigate 3D transistor as well, which is impressive. So I don't know what happened with the 6S, if they seem to be behind the generation, but now a few months later, they're up again. So good for TSMC, getting all of the A9X business from Apple. You can just see Apple, I think what they do is they take dump trucks full of money and they just back them up to TSMC's headquarters, <laughs> right? Because uh, I think they want TSMC to be as viable a competitor to Samsung as possible, right? You know, because the, the more that they can sort of make these decisions about who gets their business from year to year, um, better that they can keep Samsung in its place, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why I thought they would do the whole split and they would say, like, we we don't want to have a single source for, like, the A9X. We want Samsung to have some of it, TSMC to have some of it, and if something goes wrong on the production line, we can just ask the other guys to ramp up. But, sure. again, from this note, it was like 100%, 100%, 100% back and forth, switching columns between the two. It just seemed hmm. a little bit strange um, for whatever reason. Well, the real-time follow-up on this story that I just mentioned about the A9 chip is apparently the TSMC A9 chip has outperformed the Samsung version in battery tests. That's in the link I'm going to put in the show notes. Yeah. But the reason I put this up, this story up here was was we were we were crystal balling how many uh, iPad Pros would be sold. I think it was two weeks ago we were talking about this, right? And and so based on the projections of the number of chips that have been ordered, I guess they're anticipating 2.4 million iPad Pros will be sold sometime in this quarter. That strikes me as a pretty good number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would yeah. think so. I don't so. know if Apple will break it out. Like they typically don't break out by model of iPad, right? No. Yeah, like right. they just say this is the number of iPads we've sold. No, but I mean, in, in this in this particular case, because the A9X is the only this is the only device that's using the, that that particular chip, so it's easy to count, right? I guess you know. Um, yeah, insofar as you can trust those numbers, right? Um, yeah. 
the other the other cue that you can look for is average selling price. When Apple announces their iPad sales at the end of the quarter, they can say that our ASP was X number of dollars, and people can right. use that and compare to previous quarter sales uh, to get an idea mm-hmm. of what the percentage is of the iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Tim, what uh, what can you tell us about your use of the Pro in the last week? Well, there's been a couple of um, compelling things that have happened. I've been having some um, ailments that I've been dealing with the last couple of days. So, like you've uh, been a sick Tim. Yeah, sort of. Oh, yeah, and, and, the, and the only way to re- relieve the uh, the ailment was to take hot baths. And so my wife came along with a giant Ziploc bag, and I put my iPhone six in one, and I put my iPad Pro in the other, and I continued to work while I was sitting in the bathtub for like three hours yesterday you got a ziploc bag that can hold the ipad pro yeah oh there's plenty of those there's, oh yeah i got a yeah. giant freezer bag that could hold one of those bad boys yeah you can put pillows in them and all kinds of stuff now but but yeah i mean so you can't do that with a mac you can't sit in the bathtub with you know and and uh be dealing with email and creating websites and whatever it is i do and when i'm on the ipad but you know from a sketching point of view as as like we, we talked about you know my use of the ipad pencil and um i don't know if I mentioned last week, but I, I had a pro- program called um, iDraw that I... Did I mention iDraw last week? I don't believe you did. So you talked about your, your pencil thing yeah, from pencil, 53. Yeah, yeah. we got to come up with a better name for the mm. 53 pencil. Let's call it the 53 pencil. That's a good one. Um, anyway, so... You know, I've been using I, I use paper obviously from from paper from fifty three, and I uh, use Sketchbook from Autodesk, and I use Photoshop Express, but I and I also use Adobe Draw, which is now somehow called Illustrator Draw or something like that. Um, and I've done a few things like, uh, and I've put some posted some things and, and done some artwork and had some fun. But I discovered that I my st- uh, work as a designer started in Adobe Illustrator with vector drawing with Bezier curves and stuff like that, and I had downloaded iDraw. I don't know, umpteen years ago, I'd forgotten how, you know, when I first got my iPad, I guess, or soon thereafter. And it had been, it's been acquired by Autodesk. And, and so I was using, gra- I was fired up graphic and, because I need to do some wireframes for some apps and stuff like that. And um, so, you know, you want to do that in Vector if you can, because then then you can, you know, you can use the artwork uh, in, in an actual job. So being able to use uh, vector tools on the iPad Pro and it's just the, the amount of screen space is just great on it like in terms of being able to handle stuff and you know and and using the pencil or just using your finger or whatever it's a great device so I love the size of it I did actually take it out with me when I, I had to go obviously to the uh, walking clinic yesterday to get diagnosed but obviously yeah so um but I my wife said, aren't you going to bring something with you? And I said, well, I've got my iPhone 6. What else do I need? And I thought, well, what the hell? Let me take the iPad uh, with me. I have, I did buy the um, the, the silicone back case and the, and the smart cover. So, um, so the, yeah, so I feel safe about moving, moving it around. And it is a bit, you know, awkward kind of sitting in the, in the waiting rooms and stuff like that with this big giant uh, iPad. And, you know, you feel a bit, a bit like a doofus walking around with it. But, you know, <laughs> it's nice to have it. It's nice to, nice to have it there. So... Yeah, so it's been for me as as a device. Yeah, it's been it's been a savior, you know. So as far as being able to use it for the last week, but yeah, I I really do like the size. I was a big fan of the mini iPad, or the iPad Mini, like that that size factor. Um, the nine nine inches always felt a little awkward, but like this size here now seems to be make a lot of sense to me. So, and I think that's common with a lot of other designers I've talked to who are using them. Yeah, Steve Stratton Smith was 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 back and forth with um, Craig Hockenberry about you know whether it was a good tool for designers or not, and so I piped up and said, well, hey, I use the iPad Pro all the time, and and I'm using it with the apps I just mentioned, Photoshop, 
Adobe Draw, Sketchbook, Paper, and Graphic. And because Craig Huckenberry raised the question, you know, if it's such a great device for designers, why aren't designers using it? And I think that the reality is... How do you is, know they're not? I think they are. I think, I, you know, the people that were in, in the App Store asking about the iPad Pro when I was there last week on the day of were designer types. I mean, like, it wasn't, you know, they were... And they were, like, they had to have it on day one sort of thing, right? So... And I think the pencil, I've been reading a lot of... I'm, I'm starting to get the real f- FOMO feeling from following some of the... Um, uh, journalists online who who have the pencil and have been playing with it, and uh, like Serenity Caldwell and people like that. Yeah, um, during Fireball, just posted a link to a video by her uh, yeah. using AstroPad as like a Wacom Cintiq on yeah. her MacBook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, really? That's cool. I'll put that in the show notes. You can watch. Yeah. That. Um, yeah. I mean, so so. I, I I don't get me wrong. I'm still a big fan of of the the paper by or the pencil by 53. Uh, I still love it. I, I'm glad I bought it. I you know it, it, that was a whim purchase you know in the summer as well, right? So or mm-hmm. I guess the spring I guess when I bought it. But um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, and and by the way, yeah, if 53 are listening, I want to have access to your SDK, please. You've already asked that. I know. I know. Okay. I'm, just, I'm gonna say it again. It just seems to me though that you're gonna get a, your hands on that pencil, the Apple oh, pencil, know, eventually, and tough. you're never gonna use the 53 pencil again. Yeah. Well, I had, I had heard too this morning that um, the pencil is supposed to be showing up in app stores in the East Coast, United States, somewhere today. Oh uh, yeah, I saw that uh, people have bought it from Apple stores today. They got limited quantities in stock. Yeah, and it's, um, it should probably pop on the Eaton Center, but um, yeah, I think it still says four to five weeks for us here in Canada, so I'm not sure what the issue is there. There it is. So, coming out in very limited quantities. So, are you still happy with it? I love it. You love it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, again, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> Farley posted the other day, if only I had Xcode on it, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, we've been thinking about that since day one. And, you know, like this definitely looks like a Mac replacement if if only it had the, the one app that we need a Mac for. Yeah. Um, but well, there it is. There is, there is still some limits to um, iOS versus Mac. I can, I can de- you know, as, as a power pro, what we used to call ourselves power users back in the day, right? Yeah. Um, as a power user, I would say, yeah, there are some limits using, using uh, iOS versus Mac. But, you know, I posted today like i was trying to send an email and all of a sudden my mac started beach balling and i said screw it and picked up my ipad pro and just kept going right so yeah of course you know while the mac beach balls like crazy right um and you know god knows what what's happening there right but um yeah it, it's it's yeah it definitely is a a, a a first level device for a first tier one device for me i guess you could call it right so you know it's where i would where i would go to if you know if i could on on a more regular basis so now, are you yeah. using the side-by-side two apps at once, or are you doing not so one much. full screen? Not so not much. So much. Mo- most, mostly full screen stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess it hasn't really sunk in about the about the multitasking just yet. Um, but I've been looking into, like, you know, now that I've got it in my hand, you know, I'm back to, okay, i got to get my apps ready for this device. Like, what do I need to do to get, you know, size classes working on it and get the multitasking happening and... Uh, you know, because I, I definitely think that there is a difference. Like when I go into um, a website, for instance, I'm not getting the des- the uh, the tablet version of the site now. I'm getting the I'm getting a desktop version of the site. Unless some of them, some sites have noticed that I'm on a, a mobile device. But um, you know, so apps generally behaves if, as if I've got a big screen, which is great. You know, so I think a lot of people, as we talked about last week, a lot of people have. Um, 
paid attention to the iPad Pro and whatever. I was asking the team the other day, maybe you guys know this or not, but uh, is the size class for iPad Pro, is it regular, regular, regular width, width regular height? Yeah, it's I only regular so, yeah. or compact, so it's going to be regular both ways. Yeah, but not regular compact like like the like iPhone is. That's or right. The iPad yeah. is because I think the iPad is regular, regular. So this is going to be the same thing. They need like a jumbo. They need a third. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, the iPad is regular, regular. I thought the iPad was regular, compact, or something like that. No, regular, no, uh, regular, regular, no. regular, oh, regular. Okay. Well, because there are some, there are some, and, and actually, Aaron, you talked a bit about Magpie last week. Uh, we talked about it just before the show, and I think I left some of that either in the in the the, out, the after show or whatever. But you talked about you had to make one small minor change to your Magpie to make it compatible with the iPad Pro. True. Can you give us a detail on that? or? Uh, well, it's a kind of an embarrassing detail, but uh, oh, I, can, I can give it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. In my... Uh, the, main, the main view, like the problem that you found, Tim, was that you were seeing uh, only two cells shown per row of, mm-hmm. the, uh, of the Magpie main view. Right. Uh, the reason for that was because I'm customizing the size of those individual cells right. of your video thumbnails depending on the size of the screen. Um, because I want, say, you know, if you're holding your iPhone 6 Plus in landscape, I want you to see four across, right? But right. if you switch it to portrait, then only two across, and the size of the thumbnail would be different, too. Mm-hmm. So I was customizing based on device, and I wasn't prepared for the iPad Pro to come out in, in with this landscape view. Mm-hmm. So it um, it fell outside of my, my, my switch statement, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and went to the default, which is two across. And then, so it displayed it at two across with the same height and looks very strange. Yeah. Uh, that's an extant bug, by the way. I haven't actually pushed that fix yet because there's a couple other things I'm trying to get done, too. But I, I can say, too, that, the, and I think I've said it before, that I, 99.9% of the time I use my iPads in landscape mode. Right. So yeah, I'm me not, too. Yeah, and and it's and it, it's the iPad Pro is very awkward to use. I find in portrait mode, it's very it's very tall. Right. I can so, only imagine. I can only. Yeah. Imagine. I, I mostly just read on my iPad, and I always use it in portrait. I even have the switch on the side for a screen lock, and I'm I have exactly it locked to portrait way. most of the time. Yeah. yeah well, I, I was when I had the when I was on the Mini or the my iPad Air two. By the way, I did sell my iPad Air two, but oh, um, yeah. So. Um, as I anticipated, but yeah, I used to, I used to like case had a, a sort of a fold out, like a, you know, the little kneely sort of, I don't know what you call it, the little triangle that forms at the back and you know, you can sit and, and with one hand hold an iPad that way. But this guy is so big, right. And, and it's funny. It's, it's, it's almost comical that, you know, cause I've got the smart cover, which folds up into three and it does that sort of weird py- pyramid thing when it's, when you want tilt it up for typing um, and it's got the, the, the extends out the back. It becomes really deep, with the uh, with the smart case folded in to to give you the landscape typing mode, right? But yeah, it's a great device. Can't wait till the uh, get on an airplane and the and the movie's not working. I can use my iPad. Well, I saw a tweet from someone who said that they had their iPad Pro on an airplane, and yeah. on takeoff, they said you have to put you know you have to put away your large devices, and they made them put the iPad Pro away because they said that's a large device. It's not a handheld mobile device that you can keep. Really? Hmm. Yeah, so they told them to stow the device. You know, if you have like an that's, iPad or a Kindle, yes. they let you as long as you can hold it. They let you hold onto it during like takeoff. And yeah. Landing. Well, they, but, yeah, uh, like yeah. Porter Porter Airline, for instance, they, they're the smaller planes, and they they usually let you have your uh, if you're reading an iPad or whatever. Yeah. They but like use. laptops, you have to stow during yeah, takeoff. So anyway, they they said no. That's like a laptop. You have to put it away. Any other questions about the iPad Pro? 
do you, do you use it uh, sitting at a table? Like I know you've been sick yes. and you're using it in the bathtub, but uh, <laughs> under normal circumstances, are you using it at a table? Yeah, I'll, I'll use it. I have it's you know I'll, I'll if I'm sitting having breakfast or whatever, I'll, I'll uh, sit it there on the table. Like again, like like I was saying before, when I had the i I still have the iPhone six plus. It's large enough that it replaces my iPad usage, but yeah, now that I've got the iPad uh, Pro, I definitely would get, would turn to that, right? So yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, I used to. I was on it. I was on it more. I put more hours in on it yesterday than I did on my on my Mac. And the reason I know that is I, I used time tracking software, and I wasn't tracking my time on the iPad because it's not automatic. Right. I have a background process on my Mac that runs that keeps track of what I'm doing, so I can always go back at any point in time in the last six months and see what I spent my that particular day on. Um, but yeah, because I forgot to turn time tracking on the iPad, I had to go back and forensically figure out what I was doing. So. Yeah, like if you remember back in 2010 when Steve Jobs introduced the iPad, he sat in a chair, right, for most of that. And, you know, sort of gave the impression that the iPad was a sit-back-with-hold-in-your-hands kind of device. Sure, yeah. Um, And and that's worn out, right? Like, you know, whenever I use my iPad, it's it's never sitting at a desk. Well, not never, but, you know, that's not usually where it lives. Um, Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. it's on the couch, it's walking around, it's uh, it's anywhere but at the desk, basically. Um, true, but for yeah. the iPad Pro, uh, that does seem more like a desk-born device. Uh, do, you, do you believe that's true? I think it's both, actually. Yeah, because because yeah, I'm sitting at my desk right now, so um, I would I have the, my Mac in front of me and my large monitor, and so I tend to work on that. But yeah, if I'm going to go sit on the couch, I'll I'll, I'll continue to work on the, on the iPad uh, Pro. And if I'm at the breakfast table, for instance, checking out the morning email or whatever, I'll, I'll do that as well. So yeah, but what about when you're working? Is yeah, the so iPad Pro a working computer, or is it? A it, it is computer? for me, as as I think I said before. I, I do tend to I do tend to do quite a bit of work. Like I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll, it's also an extra screen. Like I'll have, right, you know, I've got my my MacBook Air here on a stand, and I've got my um, my twenty four inch Apple monitor display monitor here, and then I've also got the the iPad Pro open. So I've basically got three screens worth of cons- consumption happening, right? So, um, and I and I will turn to the iPad and work specifically on that. So. All right. But but I can tell you, like as, from an artist's point of view, like I was thinking about this today. I was talking to um, Tammy about it because um, she also got one. But um, the thing about sketching on it is, it's you know you can you can very quickly put your ideas down. And, and one of the beauties of, of working on a digital device is you've got multiple undos. Which in traditional media, you know, you you put some paint down and it's the wrong color or the wrong stroke or whatever. There's no undo, right? So the the idea of working digitally and being able to go back and you know just and I it, I should say I use my my uh, when I have the pen in my hand I still I use the pen for gestures like I'll flick and you know I'll do the backward strokes for undos and stuff like that. Um, but it's a much faster way. As a traditional artist, it takes you know I think a lot of artists have resisted moving to digital media, but. Now that I'm on it and I'm and I'm using it for that purpose, it's really really nice to be able to take advantage of, of that kind of stuff to have the speed and the flexibility to apply technique and stuff like that and and decide I like it or don't like it or you know I'll live with that and I love being able to work in layers too, which is another great thing about working digitally that you can't really do in traditional media. So I think it's it's a it's an it's a game changer for for art. Yeah, it seems like the first and most easily imagined use case for the pro. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, what what else will it be? That's the question I have. Yeah. You know, what what yeah. else is going to happen with this pencil? Because well, I think got, there must be other use cases. I've got something in my in my for my pick. Though I'm not going to spoil it now. We'll save it for my for my pick. But right. there's new 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 application that I just tried out that that's kind of cool on the iPad Pro. 
This is a bit of follow-up on, on our discussion about Marco and how he was moving to a patronage model in his app. Um, just before we get into that, I did talk to Evan about... Evan was talk, was the young developer talking about who... We discussed the idea of doing a tip jar in his app, and he decided... I asked him about that today, and he didn't go with a tip jar. He went with an in-app purchase. But uh, it would have been interesting to see if he, what he had found out about that, because that was about three, four months ago. Um, when you say but, in-app purchase, do you mean for unlocking functionality? Or yeah, just he, to- he built an app, the small little app, a little utility app the, uh, it's for managing your, your contacts, I believe. Um, and he, we were discussing, he wanted to add some features, and he was debating on how to go about it. And he'd heard about using a tip jar, you know, to let, because he, as a young developer, you know, he suffers from the same thing we all suffer, that we're, we have that sort of imposter syndrome, you know. <laughs> um, and he didn't feel that, you know, since he's a young guy, still in high school, does he, does he really deserve to, like, you know, be making buckets of money doing this kind of stuff, right? So he, you know, buckets. feeling, so, well, yeah, buckets, yeah, pennies. Um, so I think, by the way, he did, he's, I think he's had three in-app purchases since he changed his, his decision. But he had asked us about using a chip jar idea, you know, where, you know, if you like my app, throw me a buck, right, or whatever. And I know we used patronage on, on More Than Just Code podcast to try and sort of get some support from our users and our listeners. Um, and it's been, eh, you know, it's not, nothing to write home to mama, but it helps. Thank you very much to our patrons who support us. But um Marco's now moved to this model, and it's kind of. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago because it seems to whether it would force other apps to sort of follow in kind. And I think, and and the fact that making you know the number one other than Apple, the number one podcast app free, how does that affect other podcast apps? And I think Castro is the first fallout. So this is uh, it. Really makes me upset to think about what is panned out here, and uh, it's just you know it's it's poison. It's more poison in the well of the app store, uh, as if as if it didn't have enough, really. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the things that it, I was I was a little upset about Marco switching to a patronage model uh, because because uh, of of the obvious uh, you know competitive advantages that he had, right? That mm-hmm. it would make the uh, the playing field a little unfair in his favor. That that was upsetting, but not you know a lot of people were upset about that, but I I wasn't so worked up about that. Uh, I was much more worked up about Marco's justification for doing it, mm-hmm. uh, leaving out the whole idea that only he could do it, given his his rather advantageous position uh, in life, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, and his staunch stance that anyone can do it if they do everything that he did, in you know, going back years, building quality products, doing a podcast, maintaining a blog, and. And building an audience, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things, you know, which I wrote in a blog post myself uh, when this happened, after we decided not to talk about it on this show, that mm-hmm. um, I felt were were actually not advantages in his favor because the history of his his products have suggested that um, that he is not a terribly successful developer. I mean, he's he's obviously well known, he does okay, but uh, he he has inevitably unloaded every one of his software products you know you look through you know instapaper the magazine um there was another one in there that i'm forgetting um he he's unloaded all of them because they weren't working out for him right um and overcast is just the next one in the line right so despite marco's uh stated advantages he's not finding you know independent success selling his apps but what is doing it for him and what's making his uh, choices easier and what is unsaid is the fact that he owned early stock in Tumblr 
which went sold at Yahoo for a billion dollars. He's a millionaire now. He's mm-hmm. never talking about that. He does not need to succeed with the patronage model for Overcast. That's unsaid, and it's disingenuous because it gives other people, maybe like the people from Castro, the idea that maybe they should do the same thing because they're competing directly with Overcast. Mm-hmm. And so when faced with a, a, a very excellent podcast client that's free, uh, who's going to buy theirs? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Who's going to spend five bucks on theirs? Or who's going to develop one out of the gate? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Who's going to develop a new one? Nobody. Right. Yeah, <laughs> That's crazy. Exactly. Yep. Unless you, unless you're you're insane and you have a, an idea that's just totally going to set you apart. Uh, I just can't fathom it though. But maybe someone does. But anyway, Castro is in the market and they've got a very good app. But you know, Ca- uh, Overcast is a very good app. And so if someone's going to compare features you're also going to compare the dollar amounts and choose the one that's free, right? They had no choice, strategically speaking, but to do what Marco did, which is really unfortunate. One of two things is going to happen here. First off, people that are going to buy, or sorry, acquire Castro and not pay the patronage because, you know, a vanishingly small percentage of the users will, Mm -hmm. right? I think they're going to have a viable competitor to Overcast. But six months from now, I won't be surprised to hear the makers of Castro announce that they're, sh- they're shuttering their, their business because mm. they aren't making any money. Where's the money coming from? Nowhere. Right? There will be an initial rush of people who are supporting them. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised if a week from uh, this decision they're saying, yeah, we've had great response. Thank you to everyone. But six months from now, when people are re-upping, they're not re-upping. Right? They mm-hmm. they like okay we gave you our money and you know that's enough I'm not giving you money every month let's let's be let's be crazy <laughs> yeah um, I, even, I even saw somewhere that Marco called it uh, um, like bum he's a, a bum cup bum cup yeah, yeah yeah he used that a while ago referring to something completely different yeah but uh, the um, there was a website and the name escapes me right now but they're a website that helps uh, content producers uh, put out a bum cup <laughs> uh, to um, to get patronage, basically, for their app. He was basically uh, saying that he never wanted to use such a thing because mm-hmm. he regarded it as a bum cup. Um, right. And, you know, a very pejorative statement, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, I, well, the, so the couple of things came across my mind when I saw it. Yeah, not happy about it, but then again, um, what's to say that it isn't a, it, that this couldn't become a model for a lot of developers to start to adopt? And do you really think it has no legs at all? Like, I mean, yeah, I think it has no legs at all. Yeah, like over yeah. time, people won't like because I mean that's it's, it, it, I mean that's kind of the shareware mo- where the shareware model came from back in the day was you know or or donationware. You see that a lot in web development and plugins and stuff like that where people will put a plugin up on, for instance, the WordPress store and they'll put it up for free and they'll just have a donate button. I'm curious and. and um, who was it that did uh, Carbon Copy Cloner for Bombitch Software for the longest time? Yeah. Um, he was donationware. I mean, I've been using uh, his product for years and years and years, and every now and then, you know, I would get, you know, okay, I've used this like 10 times, I'd throw him 25 bucks or something, you know, or 50 Well, you bucks. are in a very I know, small minority. I know, small company. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm Canadian, eh? We feel bad about, you know, this kind of stuff, but... Um, in but, in large part, those donation opportunities are never used. But I, you know, so but I mean, considering that you know we've now got this race to the bottom condition, you know, and I don't know, are you seeing a trend in people starting to charge money for their apps now? Like even if it's a couple of bucks, um, people are no, not going towards the freemium model or the free model. But uh, 
Because I mean, why? Wh- I mean, as I said before, there's two reasons why you develop. Either you want to develop because you want to make money and you want to make a viable business, or because you're just like me. You're passionate about writing software and making things that people could then use and enjoy. Right? Whether why can't it be both? <laughs> well, it'd be it'd be great if it was both, and I think it should be both. To be honest, it should with you. be both. But but it's the same thing happening in the recording industry and you know and uh, stuff like that. Like you know, there's no reason why you can't make videos and put them up on YouTube and and for free just for the fun of making videos and what have you. I mean, we do this podcast for, 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 for nothing really, you know, it's basically our sweat and toil and our, our, you know, considered opinions being put out there for, for little or no reward at this point, you know? So, but, but I'm, I do it because I, cause I think it's, it's something that we need to share with the, with, uh, other developers out there. Right. So, and I, again, I make apps because I'm interested in making apps and putting them out there and having people play with them and have fun with them. Right. And be well, productive. Yeah. But I think, um, <laughs> Hmm. Let me. Yeah. Let me no. Back I, up for a well, let's let's go back to 2008 when when I first started getting into this. The re, the idea was, yeah, I'll put out an app, and you know, there's forty thousand forty thousand people download my app and give me two bucks. That's you know a couple of you know that's 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 an income, right? That never happened, right? And and as time's gone on, you know, as you know, the the race to the bottom has now made it to the point where people think that that software should be free. Um, that's even, it's even worse, but that doesn't mean, doesn't stop me from continuing to work on those apps that I that I started back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, right? And maybe it should, but you know, <laughs> be that as it may, you are. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is kind of an inflection point. Uh, we are being given the opportunity here to reevaluate what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like from your perspective, Tim, uh, you're into development because of your passion for making things, and this yeah. is this is your medium, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You're an yeah. artist, right? Yeah. But for someone like Supertop or Overcast, uh, this is a business. It's, it's uh, I'm going to sell you something in exchange for your money, and I'm going to use that money as my income, and I'm going to live on it. Yeah. Right? Um, they have to make uh, very practical decisions. And so engaging in this patronage model is, to them, a business decision. Yeah. It's, it's not some last-ditch hope to sort of eke out some livelihood from their passion. Right? This is, you know, we are supporting our families, we need a way to make money, and so we're offering the bum cup, uh-huh. right? That is going to prove, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it, okay? Yeah. That is not going to be a viable business model, right, outside of Barnco. Who, looking at Insta- uh, Overcast now, if you look at the Overcast app, which I'm still running, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got the support link, and when this first started... He would he would have a little note here to say how many people became patrons today. Yeah. Now it says 361 people became patrons this week. And so what he's doing is he's looking at the last seven days, mm-hmm. totaling the number of patrons, and showing you that number. Right. Um, but obviously he's experienced a, a drop. exponential drop in the yeah. number of supporters. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, right? Yep. Um, and that's going to continue to drop, I'm sure of it. Just like, you know, that... that curve you know the the reverse hockey stick that you see when an app first launches its revenue is all tied up in that first day right right and it's going to be a similar curve for patronage as well and the only reason that curve is so high at the start is because marco is banking on his popularity Mm -hmm. whereas someone like a castro would have a much smaller initial bump i think before tailing off again and then any other developer like, say, if I tried it with Magpie, for example, mm-hmm. there would be nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'd, launch, I'd launch the patronage on day one, and I'd get, like, one customer to be my mother or something, you know? Like, <laughs> that, that would be it. 
Yeah. Right. No, no other developer can do this. No, it's and, true. It's true. And it would be nuts. And and you know, even even the ones who can won't be able to maintain it because essentially the the, the user at the end of the day is getting nothing for their money except for you know um, an abstract notion that you are supporting the developer. Yeah. yeah. That's not going to be enough. There aren't going to be enough people giving enough money to make that sustainable. So here's a crazy idea. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. Is this, are we back in Aaron's Crazy Corner again? Yes, we are. We're back okay. in Aaron's Crazy Corner. We Welcome should have a theme back. song. Nice to be here. And uh, it's been a while. But, mm. but here's, here's the crazy idea of the week. You build an app that actually has real functionality that solves people's real problems. Wow. And you charge a fair price for it. What do you think? That's a pretty interesting concept, you know. Well, I need... Yeah, Why don't we all be quiet for a few moments and give people the space to consider that wild and crazy idea? I know. Your mind is blown right now, isn't it? (laughs) Well, people are using smart speed, I'm sure, and that was like no time at all, right? (laughs) That's right. And they got that feature for free. So so here's the thing, and I've talked about this before, and and I I use my device tracker. My device tracker is my magpie, if you will. it's surprising. I wrote this. I wrote this little web app back in the day when I was an IT person, and then, and then when I was thinking about what can I do on on iOS, uh, I can take my idea and put it into an iOS app. And surprisingly, I still get a couple of sales here and there every every couple of days. And when I when we finally got the analytics thing, uh, which was promised to us for like a whole year before we actually saw it. That's the app that that people look at because that app actually tries, and it's not perfect. Right, I'll admit that it's got its foibles. I'm still refactoring it, but it solves a problem for people, and people are willing to pay me for that, right? And and I don't know, and you know, I don't know how many un- uninstalls there were or how many refunds. I see them every now and then, but but people still continue to buy it. I mean, like uh, to this day, I'm surprised every every I get an app Annie report every couple of days, and surprise, surprise, there's one or two purchases a week, you know, so. Well, that's interesting. I think it shows that you're you're on the right track in that yeah. regard. You know, maybe maybe put some time into it. Well, and, and that's what I that's what I've been doing. And and the the biggest challenge for me was it was written so long ago, back in the day when Apple it's a split view controller app, and it was written back in the day when Apple's template split the you got two app delegates, one for the iPhone, one for the iPad, and you got two root view controllers and two uh, detailed view oh, controllers. Oh, yeah. And then all the support classes we have doing all the background stuff, you know, the NS Coder stuff and whatever, and, and it's core data, of course. Um, but bringing that, bringing it forward to try to get it to the point where I can now throw it into a storyboard and use the new storyboard template kind of stuff, um, it's been a bit of a challenge for me as a single developer who's only got time to work on it and, and part-time, right? So Yep, I I'm hear getting, you. I'm, 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 I'm literally, I'm like within a minutes of of getting down to the point where i have one app delegate one one uh, root view controller and one de- and detailed view controller but you know that's that's where i am right now but i spent some time on it yesterday so hmm. yeah so it, it takes its time but yeah it, and and i'm spurred on by the fact that every every couple of days I, I see a sale and i think you know i really gotta get in there and, and make those improvements right like you were saying with that with magpie right Maybe I, I don't think Magpie is a very good example. No, um, I, I just meant from the point of view of you're doing work on Magpie, like you weren't going to just roll out a release just because you, to fix your iPad pro, pro problem, right, but you right, had other right, things right. you wanted to make sure that you covered off. So, what do you, Greg and Mark, have to think about this new bum cup patronage model? I don't like it at all, as Aaron has already said. You know, software should have some 
value in it. I would say yeah. this is even worse than freemium because mm-hmm. at least with freemium, you're getting something. You know, oh, ten extra coins in this game, or mm-hmm. hey, excuse me, Greg, sorry, I got to stop you right there. Um, if you're playing the role of Jaime t- on tonight's podcast, you need to be calling it Smurf Berries. <laughs> so, um, just start over again. Thanks. Ten extra coins in the game, <laughs> dude. And, uh, you know, you're getting something. I mean, that's that's nothing in that case. But again, for something like Overcast, you pay for the unlock, you get smart speed and those features. At least you're getting something for it. But yeah. as Aaron said, Not I mean, more. you're getting some nice feelings, I guess, from being. But you're, but a you're patron, getting that for but... free now. You're getting that for free now, Greg. In in, in um in overcast now i mean i was not a paying member of the overcast crowd i did use overcast but i hadn't forked over the five bucks or whatever it was to get the unlocked features now i have those for nothing because that's but that's what i'm saying i mean you know if you listen to the pod his podcast he's gone through the trouble of like getting a trademark for that stuff like he has a trademark on smart speed or i don't know if he has a patent but i know he's at least trademarked it and he put all this effort into it and it's true trademarked the reason behind saying, oh, I want everyone to have the best version of the app, I mean, that's just, I don't know, it sounds a little bit silly to me. But, you know, when it was a purchase, it was worth something. And now you're giving money for, like, effectively nothing, it just feels like. So, again, wow. I, I just think this system is worse than what we had before with Freemium. Because mm-hmm. you're getting all this stuff and the money's just going to some fantasy of being a patron, whatever whatever that means. I mean, like you guys on Patreon, it's like you can either just pledge money or you can pledge money per episode or something like that, right? You're getting yeah. something for it. Yeah. Whereas in this case, it's just, you know, you're supporting future development or something, but that's not what I want. Like I paid for the unlock in Overcast. I've purchased Downcast and I did download Castro. I'm using that right now. Mm-hmm. But am I going to send them 349 Canadian for three months? Of, like, what does that even mean? That doesn't mean anything. What, it's going oh, to support that, me that for three what, months? That, that's what their their model is, that it's so much per month? or It's per, a buck well, a month. It yeah, doesn't auto-renew, though. So it's just, uh, you no. give us 350 do you give us $7, or do you give us $14? And that's it. And it says the $14 is for six months. Well, six months of what? What, you want me to come yeah. back in six months and give you another $14? Mm. But what if I don't feel like it, and I wait a year before I give it to you? So it's meaningless. It's just effectively a tip jar. But yeah. it's supposed to give me a feeling that I'm supposed to be paying this every month. I mean, it's just and, totally yeah. worse than freemium, and it's worse than like software as a service. Like I'm paying for um, Feedly or I don't know one of those RSS readers that people use, where you're paying some amount a month, and it does all the syncing or whatever. Like that, you're at least paying for a service, which is fine. But uh-huh. this is like the worst of all worlds because you're paying. Presumably, they want you to again make it a recurring payment you're paying for nothing so it's just i don't know it's even worse than that greg because not only are you paying like for six months of service or six months of feeling good about supporting the developer but it's not recurring and there's no way you're going to be reminded at the end of those six months right because it's just a one-time purchase i mean you know all of them seem to say that i don't know if it's some kind of apple apple regulation but all of the patronage kind of apps i've seen they all say this is non-recurring like they highlight it that's right yes it is it's not a subscription well i can i can throw in something about that because we we had a we had rolled out an app at one point in time with the idea that we were going to have an ongoing subscription monthly subscription kind of idea and when we when we finally got all the work done we submitted it to apple apple said uh you can't do that yeah and they basically made us change our entire uh Model, so we had to go back and re- rewrite the software. And yeah, I've been there too, Tim. Change it's it. terrible. Yeah. Oh my god, what a nightmare! I did have so, a I link mean, in here for another article saying how this is where Apple is moving to help improve profits. Where, yeah, well, with the a, new cell phone thing, like you can pay whatever it is per month, $40 a month to get the latest phone, right? And with Apple Music, $10 a month, 
and with some kind of TV deal, maybe that's coming someday in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, like Apple is moving into this model as well, and I think they're saying, "Yeah, developers, you should do it too." But this patronage thing is not at all what that is. I think if Apple looked at this and said, "Oh, like if Apple was doing all of this to set a set the example for the rest of us," if that's mm-hmm. the case, I think they're looking at this and saying, "Oh my God, you guys totally screwed it up. This is not at all what we meant." Totally. Because then, you know, you're getting music, you're getting subs- a subscription, you're getting a phone for the yeah. money. So, well, you don't it's know too. too and Apple may Apple may wake up to this whole Castro tip jar um, patronage thing and and make a ruling and say you can't do that. Yeah, right. I remember when I think underscore David Smith with his weather app was the very first, or uh, Pedometer Plus Plus. I mean, that was the yeah. very first time that I had come across. And I remember when I listened to his podcast, he would say, "Oh, I wasn't sure if this would be allowed because it's in that purchase, and I'm not actually." Mm-hmm giving anything but it's a non-consumable so maybe it's okay mm-hmm. and it went through and then a bunch of other people did it too so yeah if apple if it does reach their radar and they make a decision then well see that's what totally happened now, is when they rolled out a newsstand because uh, we were we were on the brink of being a newsstand app anyway but when they brought it newsstand they, they had they enabled the ability to have like uh, ongoing subscriptions for things like time magazine and gq and stuff like that right? and condé nast publications yeah um and so we were going to use that model in, in another app of a different purpose and, the, and they came into the ruling said you can only do recurring um subscriptions if it's a newsstand app Makes me sad. Yeah. Well, it, they have loosened up on that, though. Like, but there, you, you can but, now there do are it some, There are some apps out there I know that are grandfathered into that, that got into that, that mo- mode long before uh, before the ruling. So, and they're, they're still able to have uh, recurring, uh, recurring subscriptions. There's a few out there. I'm not going to name any names, but there are some out there. You know but you, you can are. do it now, Tim. Like, you can, can do you? a recurring subscription today oh, okay. for a service-based app and not just uh, a publication. Right. Yeah, right, they've right. loosened the rules on that. I mean, that, and it is a big deal. Yeah. But obviously, like the overcasts and the and the Castros of the world can't take advantage of that because it's not a service, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? The funny thing is too is that like it, it's not inconceivable that either neither of these podcast apps couldn't have some kind of web service. I mean, right? Overcast already does, right? It's got the whole subscription sync, which runs That's on right. a web service, and it's got the That's... notification thing. Like, like Marco is his server is phoning all of your RSS feeds yeah. and yeah. scraping them and sending a notification. Down. So, I mean, that could be the service. There is a service yeah. behind there. It's just not well, charging. And, for and it. the thing about it is, is like that can't that can't be done for free. I can tell you from running site, multiple sites like I do, and and you know, even hosting this podcast, we I personally serve it on my servers, right? But the that can, you know, you run into bandwidth and you run into you know gigabits and and storage space and stuff like that. He can't possibly be doing that for nothing. Of like course, he's, he's not, Tim. Yeah, he's so, he's so been very upfront money, about the cost. Where's his money coming from? Like, why would it, why would he shoot himself in the foot? <clears throat> Millionaire. <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. yeah what was sorry. that? Yeah. No, he he absorbs that cost, and and he's he's been upfront on his own podcast. About how expensive it is. Yeah. Well, uh, he did switch to Go, which uh, really minimized the server yeah, load, right? It helped but him still. pull out a, a few servers, but you know he's mm. running several servers to support Overcast. Yeah. Um, you know, and these are like VM stuff. You know, like the they're they're I think they're with um with a Linode, I think. Linode. Still, we're talking you, like yes. you know fifteen hundred dollars per server, and I think yeah, it's like yeah, three of them. So it's not you know insubstantial. It's and that's per month, right? Yeah. 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 But I mean, with, with the, the volume of users he's got, I mean, you know, at this point in time, it, it for him it works, right? But you know, and I'm curious to know. So you, you do run Castro yourself, Greg? What do you? How do you see it compared to to Overcast? Like, does it make a difference, or is it just another podcast app? 
I mean, I don't have particularly advanced needs. I think a lot of people said a lot of good things about Overcast's um, playlists, and I never mm-hmm. used it. I just mm-hmm. I know what podcast I want to listen to, and I play it. Right. And um, a, a part of the good thing about switching up, I switched back to I bought Downcast a long time ago, and I switched back to that for a little bit before I tried Castro, mm-hmm. and. Um, it's nice because it's cleaned up my podcast. I had like 30 <laughs> podcasts, and now in Castor, I've only subscribed to, you know, six or seven. Yeah. And yeah. I am using, it doesn't, you can't, I don't think you can make your own episodes, but it gives you a podcast list, and it gives you an episode list. And I use yeah. the episode list now just to play things in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, I've got very simple needs, and I really like it. I think I do, uh, what we just talked about, Marco server component was very good because it would, find the episode send you a silent push notification it would download the episode and then it would trigger a local notification to tell you that the episode is there and with castro i haven't noticed but with downcast it would not do that i had Mm -hmm. to launch the app and then it would go through all my 30 feeds and um, see what was new so it never seemed to download them in advance castro seems to do it but it's definitely not as fast i don't have overcast anymore so i don't know but overcast Mm -hmm. seemed to be like right away like i would see a tweet from you guys for example Yep. And they would say, hey, more than just code is available. And I would look, and there was already a notification. But with Castro, it doesn't seem to do that. You have to wait 15 minutes, an hour, or launch the app to see it. So hmm. it's not immediate, but I mean, I don't usually need it to be immediate because I got a backlog of stuff to listen to. But for playback, it's fine. I don't use, I never use Smart Speed or I guess Voice Boost on Overcast was okay. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think I miss it. So. Well, conversation's <laughs> gone on for a long time already, but um, you know, it, it's business. And no one's guaranteeing you anything in this business or any other business. That's and, true. And, you know, people do this kind of thing, not this exact thing, but this kind of thing, taking advantage of some unfair advantage that they have to to uh, to get a competitive advantage. This happens every single day. And 80% of the startups, probably 90% of the startups fail. Right? And no one is going to them and saying, oh, you, you should have succeeded because you had a good product and sorry that you didn't will we'll help you and do something. Real world just doesn't work that way. So well, getting upset yeah. about this stuff you know, accomplishes nothing except to advertise it. And, <laughs> and you know, the more it's advertised, the, the worse problem gets, right? Because, because if, if, the, if the premise is that Marco is able to do all this kind of stuff because he's famous and he has a lot of people's ears and a lot of people are talking about him, well, talking about him more just makes the problem worse. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I, I did want to ask, and that's why I asked the question: like, do do you, do, do this, does the group think that this is a a viable revenue model for other developers or other uses? I mean, like, I I see the patronage model as working for in the creative fields because it's that's been the way that artists have been funded since Adam was a boy or since paintings were done on caves, you know. Because um, you can't be an artist and and go on the hunt, as it were, or you know, or till the fields, you know. Um, you, you know, the minstrel used to sing for his supper, kind of thing, right? So, right. Um, that kind of, that's been around forever. And 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 you know, if you were lucky, the the pope or the king or whatever said, "Come live in my castle and sit on your ass and paint," and that was the dream, right? So, yeah. so if you as a business owner decide that this is a viable business model for you, have yeah. at it. Yeah. If it's not a viable business model for you, don't do it. And if that forces you to pivot and change what you're doing for your business, mm-hmm. different product or tackle a different industry or whatever it is, well, yeah. that's what you have to do as a business owner. It's you know, yeah. it's, well, it, and I think, I think that's true too. 
That's true. And, and, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, through the whole indie apocalypse and the race to the bottom have all had to, to decide to pivot and, and find other ways to diversify our incomes, right? Because that dream is the dream is not there, right? So I never I don't know if it ever was really, you know, it was there for a few handful of people, it seems. All right. So let's go around the table like we usually do and see if we have any picks today. And I'm going to ask Aaron, do you have a pick? I'm afraid not this week. Yeah, it's too busy. Don't have anything. Well, that's too bad. Um, Greg, do you have a pick? I do have a pick. And for the folks out there who are driving while listening to this, <laughs> they will especially appreciate it. I listened to another podcast called Cortex and uh, with CGP Gray, and he was mentioning how when he edits the podcast, when he, he edits the podcast like 10 times, but then his final edit, when he's doing the review, he likes to do something to sort of occupy his mind. Because if he listens just to the podcast and sits there, he'll notice all these little things and want to fix it. But this is like his you know third edit. So he wants mm. to do something else. And he was mentioning that he was playing this game called Euro Truck Simulator 2, where you drive a truck, you pick it up in like London, you pick up all your cargo, and you drive it across Europe. And it's like, you know, in 40 minutes, you're in Stockholm, and you deliver your cargo. And so <laughs> I looked it up, because um, I also have those moments where I'm doing something, and I just want to do something mindless, and I enjoy a good driving game. And I know this was from the same company that made another game called Bus Driver, which I played many years ago, where... Mm-hmm. You drive a bus, you pick up your passengers at the stops, and it rates you on how, you know, whether you're on time, do you hit the brakes too much, and all that. So anyway, it reminded me of that, so I was going to make that my pick. It's the game called Bus Driver. It's on the Mac App Store, $3.99 US, but um, if you do want to go to the sort of original pick, Euro Truck Simulator, there's it's Euro Truck Simulator 2, which is, I think, $25, These are Mac or apps? you can get the original Euro Truck Simulator, which is on super stale, $2.49 Canadian, so it's almost just, you know what? Just paid two fifty. That's probably one ninety nine US. Just pick hmm. up the game. It's for the Mac. It's on Steam, and uh, drive those trucks. Cool. Deliver the cargo. <laughs> Interesting. Mine is, uh, as Greg likes to say, a little meta. Um, I basically uh, saw a tweet the other day, and I know we've talked about this before, and we've talked about the ability to produce a podcast on an iPad. And, and one of the ways you can do podcasts or produce podcasts is, is with GarageBand, right? Um, it's, for many people, produce podcasts to this day on GarageBand. Apple's changed the way GarageBand templates work, so it's not quite as easy as it was for a while there. I guess when podcasts first came out, they were using Garage, Apple was sort of suggesting you use that. And of course, I use Logic to do, to do um, the, our current mixing now. But last week, I saw a tweet go by, and I've forgotten. I think it was uh, the podcast Jason dude. Jason Snell. Podcast dude. Oh, Jason Snell, yeah. I, I saw a tweet by, by the podcast dude, uh, Aaron Dowd, I think his name is, um, who's been super handy to me and helping me out with some, some podcast issues I had. But uh, Jason had posted that he had... Um, worked with a, a product called ferrite which um is a cool app um it, it basically it, it's just like logic and of course now that i've got this giant ipad to work on um, i'm not cramped for space in terms of being able to select tracks and stuff like that but you can do multi-track mixing and there are some built-in um uh, filtering features that you would use in a pro tool so i think i don't know what there was a thread about a year ago i guess about whether it was a reasonable thing to expect people to be able to mix and and do podcast recording and mixing down in on an ipad but this product actually shows quite a bit of promise and and just for the sake of the sh- show i'm going to do this pick i'm going to edit this pick using the app um 
so you guys should say something. <laughs> Ooh. But it's kind of cool. I mean, like, so I, I you know, I grabbed, I grabbed a couple of our feeds from last last week's show and played around with it. You get like ten minutes of, of playtime if you if you, unless you want to pay for it. It's not very expensive. It's like I think eleven dollars or something Canadian. I don't know what it is in US um, to do to do an upgrade to get to unlock the features. But yeah, this is this is again for me. Um, there's no reason why I need to go to my Mac other than the fact that, again, like Xcode, I have to use Logic on it to use to, to edit the show. But if I could do something similar to this with a uh, product with Ferrite, I would I'd definitely do it. How so. do you get the files on the iPad Pro, Tim? Um, there's a couple of different ways. One is, well, um, there's an import audio feature here, and it supports the music app. It supports iCloud Drive. It supports Dropbox, and it supports Transmit. And then there's a more button here as well. I tried using Transmit, but I had some, for some reason, I couldn't get the files to transfer over properly. Um, so I ended up putting them up on, I think I used my iCloud Drive. I just made a folder up there called Ferrite and, and uh, linked to that. So I, I basically, you know, took the the way we do our podcast here is we re- meet on Skype and then we record to QuickTime. And then the guys send me their files on, uh, individual recorded files on um, Dropbox. And I picked, I put them into Logic and do my thing. So I took those four files uh, that we got last week, myself and the other three hosts, and imported them over to the app and played around with them and... But again, like I said, I can only mix ten minutes worth of uh, time. But it was kind of kind of cool. It was very similar. You know, I can stretch out the timeline like I do in Logic if I want to go and find a cough or an ahem or an um or I want to cut out, and um, it's quite cool. Shows a lot of promise. And there, actually, there's a friend of ours too, Greg, that was saying that he has an app uh, for iOS that does podcasts as well. Um, we were talking about one of the meetups. Who was it? I oh. know who you're talking about. It's Andrew. Yes. Something. Andrew S. He actually hosts a podcast as well on his server, I believe. His app is called Castmate. Castmate, yeah. And they have a Castmate web service, right? I'm not sure. Uh, go to castmate.fm. You can see it there. Yeah. Does he go to Taco or, or we met yeah, him? Yeah, at- he's, he's been to Taco, yeah, but uh, he wasn't at the last meeting. I'm following him on Twitter now. Um, mm-hmm. That's why. And I, he tweets prolifically, so I was able to find him quickly. You but, see the picture uh, of him and he's holding up a picture or something like that square, square Bob, sponge spongebob yeah, yeah okay i know who you're talking about <laughs> i know that's how i know people by what their twitter avatars look like oh yeah. there you go have you guys looked at my twitter avatar recently the french one no i changed it uh then no i haven't well it, it, it was actually the french one but i did change it so just i just thought you never mind I did. It's a, the sketch version of you. I actually yeah. saw that. Which Maybe you should announce it. I did that on the iPad Pro. You can cut this out. You could, you, I saw that on the uh, Swift Canada website, Tim, the conference you're going to run. Oh, yes, If you want yes, right. to preview that. Ah, we don't have to cut it out. It's going to happen. <laughs> so that's that's a bit of a spoiler there. Greg just dropped. We won't say anything more about it. We'll leave, just leave there as a teaser. Oh, sounds good. So uh, that's it for the week. And so, Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to the Twitter machine, at Aaron Vay. And Greg, if people want to find you other than in China speaking at a conference, where would they go? Oh, there's another tease. They should also go to the Twitter machine. Why not? I'm Greg Heo on the Twitters. And Mark, if people want to get a hold of you by email. And once again, my name is Tim Mitra here in Toronto, Ontario, and I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me or my website, it-guy.com. And so I guess that's it. And we'll say goodbye for the week. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. 
There, you can find a summary and show notes for each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. For the record, setting uh, setting my iPhone to Pacific Time didn't help. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean your iPhone. I meant your. Uh, yeah, no, never mind. It was in my, it was in my Mac. I had to set actually. Well, Greg wanted to follow up on some iPad Pro stuff too. But. Well, then we should. Uh, I love iPad Pro stuff. We should. Talk I just about. want to say FinFET once. That's about it. Oh, and I have a oh, tale Finfet. of woe about Apple Pay in Canada as well. Okay. Whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. oh yeah. Failures. We can talk Slow about that. Hold, about it. hold down. Slow down, Bucko. No, no. Let's yeah. keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim. Go ahead. Do your thing. This, but in this particular case, because the A9X is the only this is the only device that's rocking this chip right now, right? So oh, that's please don't use that word. No, rocking. It's one of the you know. Well, it's a Microsoft product. You can't expect it to be secure, right? Oh, please, no. Like, <laughs> I mean, who isn't listening in? I'm surprised our listeners aren't listening to this. Hacked. Well, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they would. They would listen if they could, you know. So yeah, we talked about that a while ago, eh? But yeah, never really came up with any ideas of how to do a live broadcast. Well, we, we just uh, well, you know how um, Ray Warner like used to do it by having a Google Hangout, Ding. Google Hangout, right? So uh, no, I didn't. I have no idea. Yeah, we used to do tech talks on on the show, and we we, we did it until we had a. I think one day we had a complete snafu, and I, I'm not sure if there was like an internal vote or whatever. Decided not to have it. So what would happen was somebody would do a tech talk, and then um, a bunch of us would fill the slots across the bottom before it started, and um, you know we'd all be able to chat internally and and you know, ask questions of the presenter. And then it would, when it was, but then Ray would open it so that um, fans could just sort of join along. Right. So I think it was quite, like, quite popular. I'm, I'm sure they had hundreds of people listening in. Yeah. So is there, is there a limit to the number of people that can be on that? I, I don't know. I think, I think, um, I think you can, I think you can, like, you, I can't think you can have like eight or 10 slots or whatever for free. And then, and then you can broadcast the the session live. Right. So. Yeah. When you're when you finish your world tour, you'll be able to go work for somebody, Greg. You know. To which world tour are you referring? Well, he he just came back from San Francisco where he was talking, yeah, and, yeah. and of course he spoke at uh, at uh, in Denver, and then he's going to China. You're going to China? That's right. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow! Tell th- me about that. I thought only Nixon could go to China. <laughs> well, I think Trudeau was there earlier, so it's a Canadian. Uh, there's some Canadian yes, precedent that's there. Right. Right. Precedent there, isn't there? Hmm. Hmm. Was, was oh, Trudeau there time. recently, or he's on his way there? No, no. I mean the first Trudeau. Oh, the first Trudeau. Pierre, Mr. Pierre. Yes. Oh, yeah, because uh, actually Justin met with the Chinese premier this week. Um, mm-hmm. But it's the G20 summit, so mm-hmm. and I don't think it's in China. I think it's in uh, Germany or something. Turkey, I think, yeah. Turkey, yes, that's right, Turkey. Mm. Good good call. Where, so you're, where, where in China are you going, Greg? 
Uh, Beijing. There's, they're having the first SWIFT conference in China. And, wow. uh, you know, Chris, uh, Chris Eidoff of Obc.io fame. And yeah. he also spoke at SWIFT Summit and he messaged me. He's like, hey, I really liked your talk. And, you know, these guys invited me and they're looking for more people. So do you want me to put your name in? I was like, yeah, sure. Oh, and that's then, amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. And when is that? It's in January of all wow. times. Okay. So middle of winter. And I think yeah. Beijing is at a similar latitude. So I think they do get yes. winter there. Yes, yes, they do. Oh, wow. You uh, ever been before? I have never been there, no. Oh, no. China, wow, no. That's exotic. I've been into Asia in, I don't know, it's been like over 10 years or something like that. So, right no, looking forward to it. Never been there before. No kidding. Wow. Congratulations oh, in advance. Uh, that's, that's amazing news. And Swift, the word of Swift is spreading, obviously. Apparently, yeah. The gospel of functional programming. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. One thing that's interesting I found out today is that Dropbox, uh, in their latest, the latest version of their SDK, is only supporting Swift, not oh, Mark. C at all. Mark, Mark, Mark. Don't listen what? to the show, eh, when you miss it? <laughs> I oh, thought... you talked about that last week? Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, what did we talk about? <laughs> Sorry, I was just came back. Uh, Never mind. Mark was just telling us how uh, the new Dropbox SDK is uh, Swift only. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that ever resolved? Like, I thought that was if only there was a, apparently a, a mistake on their part, though, right? This stuff. <laughs> Sorry, what? They confirmed that that was a mistake, an oversight on their it, part. It sounded like it from the uh, from the forum posts that they were there. Even Dropbox people were on there, basically yeah. saying, "Oops, we messed up." Yeah, that, Too bad, that all, that's... all these tweets were like, "Oh, Dropbox is ahead of the curve. They're so awesome. I'm going yeah. Swift only," and then yeah. it turns out, no, yeah. they made a they mistake. Screwed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they've recognized that they made a mistake, but uh, I, I, I'm hearing nothing about whether they're going to actually fix it or not. Yeah, that's no, what I mean. Like I was saying, no, they're not. In fact, in what? the forum, in the developer forum, Dropbox developer forum, they were asking for suggestions on what they should do because, quote, you guys seem to have more experience in this than we do. Wow. Just put, like, at, put at, at obc in front of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, the story was it, it. It has now had repercussions, which is why we wanted to cover but it. But has it? Has it really? Well, yeah. Castro is so, an important app. I mean, it's yeah. It's, but if you look at if you look at their website, they said we were going to do this anyway in two point but oh, really? we moved it up to one point five just because because mm. we felt like it. And you know, I, I don't know. I think this is all really a lot of talk and blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. But you know my opinion at this point. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, if, if the business model sucks, then people won't use the business model. Enough said. Yeah. And yeah, Marco can't come in and drive every every uh, app developer out of the out of business, right? That's just not going to happen. No, and, and and as I was saying before, I think that uh, I, I was listening to a, a, a podcast that uh, Tammy did with a, with a, a friend of mine who's a musician was on it, and um, she had said that you know I think that her advice to new users coming into the business as musicians would be not you know try and get your licensing or get your record deal and get your you know studio all perfect or whatever just write the music yeah right yeah. do the work yeah. get, you know just yeah. just i mean you know put it out there i mean you know um evan who's like 16 or yeah just 16 isn't he greg 16. He might be 17 now, but yeah. yeah. Like I mean, he's, you know, he's written a couple of apps and they're up on the app store and he asks us for advice and stuff like that. And, you know, um, but yeah, he just makes them because he wants to. And, and like, you know, my grandsons and I make, we made Geese, Geese Squad for fun and, you yep. know, we made by Ancelon. My, my seven-year-old grandson came to me and said, I have an app <laughs> idea. And what am I going to say? No, we're not going to make it, you know? Yep. 
Um, so yeah, and that's still on the app store, and people still download. That's the one that took off in Russia, of all places, right? So right, you know, right. And like I said, with with device tracker, I mean, I just it was that was an easy one for me in concept because I already had the tool and I knew it solved problems for me. And I'm all, I'm surprised every day that people download it, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there there's plenty of money to be made in this business. There really is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you just got to find your na- your niche, right? Right, right. Another week in the can. Another another one bites the dust. Yeah, I used to work for. Uh, I apprenticed under a guy who was um, in his eighties, um, and when I met him, and he used to go to the door every day, and he put his hand on the doorknob, and he would say, "Another day, all shot to hell." <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.